Well, it's 10 o'clock, everybody, so I'm going to kick it off and say welcome to everybody. We're so very fortunate to have Claire Laughlin with us today to do this wonderful presentation on how to turn your trainers into your invisible sales force. <laughs> and Claire resides down in the Aptos area, the beautiful coastline down a little south of Santa Cruz. And Claire, you work, I believe, with Cabrillo College, and then. Uh huh. Yeah, I've been working with Cabrillo for a long time. <laughs> a long time. And do you ever travel over the hill to the? Um, I'm trying to think of the other one that's West uh, West, West Valley. Valley. Uh, you know, I haven't been over there for a while, but I just, uh, one of my colleagues here from Cabrillo just went to West Valley, so we'll see. Maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll have some opportunities. Yeah. Well, this is a continuing series of webinars that the CETAP presents to the contract education colleagues throughout the state in an effort to provide additional resources to keep everybody growing and successful and it's designed hopefully for the newbies and the people that are mature as contract education professionals. So without further ado, I'm going to turn the presentation over to Claire and thank you Claire for being with us today. Thank you Margaret, appreciate it. Hello everyone, super glad you're here. Um, I just a little uh, business is is that if you've got a question anytime if you don't mind you can you can type it right into the chat bar we're going to be kind of monitoring the chat bar as we go along and I even have a couple of um, questions here in my in my presentation that I'd like to get started with so I'd love for you guys to participate I don't want this to be a one-way <laughs> you know lecture by any means so uh, please uh, don't hesitate to type in the chat bar anytime and we'll be we'll be watching along um, but my name is Claire Laughlin and I'm thrilled to be here with you I was just telling Margaret uh, just how much I've always loved the collaborative spirit in contract education it's very near and dear to my heart and I'll tell you a little bit more about my background in contract ed here in just a few minutes but we're going to talk today about turning your trainers into your invisible sales force kind of more or less and what I what I mean by that is um, I just always I, I know that contract education departments run very lean um, we often all play a lot of roles we wear many hats and uh, it took me probably too long to figure out that I really needed to turn my trainers into a sales force in a sense. I really needed to leverage my trainers for more than just good quality training. I needed to help, let them help me <laughs> do better business. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story um, in that regard. And, and we'll talk a little bit about the how to. I want to get real tactical here at some, uh, in a, just a few minutes. But first and foremost, let's start with, let's start at the beginning. I'd love to hear uh, from you. How do you measure your program's success? Um, one of the things we'll talk about as we dig into this is just, you know, what we measure grows. And so I'm just curious if any of you have an answer to that question, if you don't mind either putting it in the chat bar or unmuting for a minute and, and letting us know. I'd love to just hear a response or two about how you measure 
your program's success. Anyone have something? I think that what we do here at the Kern Community College District is we're in constant contact with our partners um, who okay. we're training for. Um, yeah. And then we do evaluations after all the classes and we share that evaluation with the employers and the employees. And um, so that's what we do here. Excellent. Thank you so much for chiming in. Anyone else? Okay, we've got number of clients, size of contract, evaluations from Chris. Chris Bennett, thanks, Chris. You're welcome. That's great. Yeah, I like, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry, this is Deborah from Peralta. Um, my success is measured by my district on the number of dollars, the funds that actually come in from contracts. Yeah, right. Okay. Excellent. Well, this is great. This is all, uh, you know, this is what I want to say here is I know I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. Everybody, we all do a lot of the same things. So I'm hoping we can just continue to learn from each other in this way. Um, my next question is, what is your secret sauce when it comes to making sales? Like, how do you, what's your, what's your magic? How, what have you figured out so far about uh, how to, you know, how to leverage yourself in a sense <laughs> to uh, make the sales process easier. Anyone have a, a thought about that to share? Claire, this is Chris Bennett with Chabot Las Positas again. Hi, Chris. Hi, nice to meet you. Um, I, I was really interested in the title of this workshop because sort of I lucked into, I'm relatively new in terms of running the contract education function, and there was a very long yeah. time, very seasoned instructor here who had already essentially yeah. doing what you're talking about, and so creating a relationship with her and both helping delineate the roles and boundaries because that's part of this conversation, um, but also yeah. leveraging her strengths and her relationships has been great, yeah. but also um, it, you know, there, it is important to, to have some definitions in place. So that's been my yeah. Yeah, I love that. I and I and I think you point to something very important, which is just that. I don't mean to uh, put undue pressure on our trainers by any means. Um, I'm just going to talk a little bit about how I found that if people approach their job a little differently from a from a little different perspective, how much how it makes it so much easier uh, for the follow-on sales. But I agree, Chris, that it's really important to think about those boundaries. So let's move right in here. Um, let me just tell you a little bit about me, just so you know who I am. Um, I have uh, been with Contract Ed for more than 20 years. Um, I started in 1995 as a contract trainer. I've got a master's in communication studies and organizational communication. So I started in again as a contract trainer delivering training programs for a variety of colleges, as particularly Ohlone College. Um, and just, you know, in that role. So I was the outsider coming in to do the training. Then I became a program manager for Ohlone College, and uh, that was great. I, that's how I really learned the ropes in terms of how to 
work with clients and deliver the programs. Eventually, at about the year 2000, I came over to uh, Cabrillo College and I acted as a grant manager for a number of years. And concurrently, I started to become a program director for Cabrillo, where I was actually building uh, the program because the former director of contract education uh, had retired and they hadn't filled her spot. And because of the nature of the grant I was managing, um, and I, I won't go into the details on that because it's not relevant, but it just turned out that there was a lot of opportunity for me to start build, rebuilding the contract ed program. And uh, all the while, I was also a consultant, um, you know, working within these businesses to do the needs assessments and build the training programs, et cetera. So my role included program development, like kind of the big strategic direction. Where were we gonna go? What were we gonna focus on? actual content and curriculum development all the way from big picture thinking down to modifying all of the course packets and <laughs> correcting typos and everything else. <laughs> I did a lot of the delivery of the training. I actually did probably a good, I don't know, anywhere from 50, 50 60% all the way up to 90% of the delivery of the training at different times. Uh, I did all the marketing, the outreach, the branding. I did all the promotion and pricing strategy. I did the contract negotiations and all of the paperwork. I continued to consult with the clients. I managed other trainers. <clears throat> I did quality control. And I, de I developed and delivered a wide variety of community education classes as well. So we were trying to bridge uh, between contract education and community ed. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Does anyone else do this kind of a role? Give me a shout out or tell me in the chat. I, I can just say, Claire, you are basically a sole business owner and an entrepreneur when you take on the role of contract education practitioner. That is right on the money. I always felt that way and I, I I felt lucky to have a background in business and um, entrepreneurial parents and all these kinds of things because it positioned me. But I will say this, can you say overwhelmed? <laughs> <laughs> I always felt overwhelmed, you know. I always just felt like there was just too many directions I had to go. And it was really from this place of, I mean, just kind of getting to my limit where I started to look deeper at how I was doing things. So today, this is what I want to discuss. I want to sort of talk about how I approach training contracts to maximize profitability. Just kind of what I learned there, a little bit about my story there. What your clients really want and how to gather data from the clients that helps you shape powerful proposals that sell. Because what I found was, you know, any place we can save time or effort is is what we need to be working on like how can we do only those activities that are most powerful when it comes to selling um we're going to talk about how to empower your trainers to deliver what clients really want which is the fastest pathway to repeat business and then how to measure their success 
the success of the trainers in ways that re promote repeat business. So that's what's on tap for today. Um, let me move on here. So in this place of overwhelm that I got to many times in my career, <laughs> one of these times I, I stopped and I paused and I realized what, hang on a minute, what I measure grows and what I'm measuring now is I'm measuring revenue. You know, so for example, in the, in the past, I would just read, I would, measure overall revenue. Like, okay, what, how many dollars are coming in? I might also kind of look at revenue per quarter. And of course I would look at the actual profit margin or what we were able to retain out of, out of the sales, right? So that sounds familiar. A lot of people do that. Of course, we would also measure our evaluation forms and um, have that constant co uh, conversation with clients about what's working, et cetera. But after, in one one of these particular periods of overwhelm, I realized that I maybe if I measured different things, I would see something different. So that's what I tried. My new paradigm was about re uh, measuring revenue per customer. So how was I doing with my different customers? Revenue per program. So you know which of my programs were actually more lucrative than others. Revenue per trainer, which of my trainers were really bringing in the, the bucks? Repeatability per trainer, like which trainers were getting the business over and over? And then retention per trainer, like that's the profitability per trainer. And that, um, that's slightly useful, but I, I don't wanna put too much emphasis there. And then I'd also think about the number of new contracts per customer. So I'd look at really what I call the depth within a customer. So do they call us back for different things or do they stay kind of within a track? You know, sometimes people, you become their trainer for something specific, but it's hard for them to see all the other things you do or something. So, so that's what I started to look at. Um, I started to look a lot deeper at the texture of the business to figure out if it was just me, <laughs> how could I really maximize my energy, you know, the impact of the energy that I had to give. So um, what I noticed when I was really looking closely was this, two things make money. <laughs> this is what I was thinking, two things really make money. One is, um, that small contract courses that you can deliver repeatedly make money. That's good, right? You know, if you can have your short course on whatever it is, your supervisory series or your short course on time management or your, you know, your hot topics and you can deliver them repeatedly. That's a good thing. And then big contracts with repeat biz obviously are great because that's where you get more revenue with a lot less time selling, you know, and, and just more in the relationship. So I started to use small courses as onboarding, you know, where I was thinking about every time I could get one of these small investments with a, with an organization, I'm going to use that as an onboarding opportunity for more business whenever possible. And then also empowering all trainers to bring in repeat business and large contracts because I was doing that work, but my trainers were not. 
so those were things that I was thinking about. Um, so again, if you've got comments or questions, don't hesitate to use chat. We'd love to hear them. But that's kind of what I was thinking is that I needed to focus more my, my attention and energy more on using those small courses to get people into the funnel in a sense. And then also to empower all my trainers to bring in repeat business. Cause I just saw that they, I was doing that work, but my trainers were not really doing that work. So, and again, I'm sure this is familiar, but the big contract and repeat business comes from trust. <laughs> That's what, you know, ultimately when I, when I looked really hard at it, I was like, you know, where does this really come from? It comes from that relationship and it comes from trust. And high trust comes from, on my end, I think really deeply understanding the needs of the business, not trying to sell them what I've got as much as understanding what they need and, and doing it from a custom, you know, really custom designing things, which is, as you know, a lot of work, but deeply understanding their needs. And then delivering great value, like more than they expect. And finally, really focusing on transformation, not transaction. So every time I'm going in there, I'm thinking about these things. Um, in fact, where am I? Here I am. Okay. Um, I realized really like to build trust. I needed to switch my attention and focus on trust in every interaction. Like I wouldn't think of it anymore as getting, getting the business or selling the first, you know, you know, providing the, the training that they wanted. I would think about it as an opportunity to build and maintain trust. Every time I started, every time I got a call. I would work very hard to deeply understand their needs in a different way. I would work very hard to deliver exceptional value from the first phone call. And I would utilize every live training event to spark transformation. Because I know, and I, I know you guys know this, we are competing with lynda.com and, uh, you know, Google and YouTube and I mean if people just wanted a skill there's a lot of places they can go for that so I realized that I needed them to want to do in-person training because what they got from the in-person training was so much better than what they were getting from just the online options that they might have uh, I saw a lot of my clients going to trying to deliver a lot of things online and I kept trying, to, you know, and I, and my focus was really to continue to help them experience, um, have an experience in the training room that was far beyond what they could ever have gotten if they just sat a bunch of people down in front of their computers. <laughs> so really focusing there and helping in that live training event to ignite a desire for people to change. So let me tell you a little bit more about that. What I realized is that clients would call for any number of things. You know, they'd say, oh, 
I need supervisory training, or I need a class in conflict management, or I need a half day retreat for team building or something. That's what they would say when they called. But what they really want is they want real change and they want a solution to their pain. Okay, so they actually don't really want a half day training program. They want a solution to their pain. <laughs> you know, and I started to think about that differently. And we all know this, right? We kind of know this intellectually, but they want a return on their investment. They want to see something happen beyond just, I delivered the training. They want to see their people come out of the training room different. And the truth is, most of them do not understand the true dynamics of training. They want you to be a miracle worker. You know, they want you to, they want you to make this change, but they want you to do it in two hours. You know, <laughs> oh, my people have been fighting for six years. Can you come in and in a half day workshop, can you fix them? You know, <laughs> you know, it's the, the requests are often not um, reasonable, but we have to realize that that's where they're coming from, you know? And then finally, what they really want is they want you to be their partner in transformation. And so what I realized is that I have to be that partner in transformation from my first interaction with them whenever possible. And that's how you get from the small things to the bigger things. So if this resonates for anyone, let me know in the chat bar. Tell me I'm with you. <laughs> I'd love to see, I'd love to see you're still here with me. And um, so let's get down to the real brass tacks here. We know what they really want. They really want this kind of real change and a solution. They want to return on their investment, et cetera. So I started doing my intake differently. Here's some of the things I would ask in my intake call. And I'm happy to share this with you um, as well. If you'd like, if you'd like uh, me to share the entire, uh, my whole intake form, I'd be happy to do that. You can uh, send me an email and I'll send it to you or put it in the chat bar for me. But here's what I would ask. I would say, so what are you struggling with? You know, they would say, I would say first, of course, I would ask them, tell me, tell me why you called, you know, or something. Then, then I'd say, well, what are you really struggling with? Um, what's the challenge that you or your organization is facing? And then I would try to pursue and find out, is this an acute challenge or a chronic challenge? Because those are very different things. Um, I would ask what, what inspired them to call. And of course, I'd say, where did you hear about me? And what have you heard? So I would try to figure out a little bit there on <laughs> what, what messages were getting out about my services. And then sometimes I would ask them, how does their internal challenge play out? You know, you want to look at the dynamics of um, uh, of what's really happening inside the workplace. So they might say, you know, I really need some, well, I'd, I'd have people call all the time and they'd say, oh, I want customer service. And then I'd start to talk to them about it and it would turn out that it wasn't really customer service they were after, it was more like team building. Like they weren't, <laughs> they weren't really interacting very well together, therefore the service wasn't very good. So we had to um, take a closer look, okay? <clears throat> in addition, I'd ask, what have you tried in the past? 
right? So what have you tried so far? And what worked or didn't work about your last solution? And then I'd say, what would change for you if this problem could be solved once and for all? Like, so that's the real transitional question because for me, um, this helps them see that throwing a half day training event at somebody may or may not actually help them solve the problem. So this is where we start to have the real conversation about how to really solve the problem. And then, and then I say to them, what is the real cost to your organization of this struggle? What's the cost you're paying? And then here's, here's another little magic question. I would say, um, I would say, is there any hard costs associated with this, like actual turnover or um, that's measured, that you've measured yet? Or is it just the stress and anxiety and productivity and time wasted? <laughs> because people would always say the cost of the struggle, they'd be like, well, I don't know what you mean. What do you mean the cost? What's the cost? And I'd say, well, oftentimes we we know the soft costs, like we know that people are under a lot of stress and it causes increased anxiety and there's a loss of productivity and there's um, time wasted, you know, we know those things, but we often don't even measure the hard costs. So let's talk about both of those. And then, so now what's happening is that they're really understanding that not doing anything about this problem or doing the wrong thing about this problem is, just going to delay the real solution okay and um and then again i would say you know what have you tried already sometimes again that's another way of uh, i'd ask that maybe sometimes more than once and then what are you willing to do or invest to find a real solution and so what i would say to them there is i'd say look we all know that just bringing people into a short training it's probably not gonna deeply solve the problem. So I'm curious about if I could count on you to follow up with people afterwards or um, involve their managers or provide additional resources to folks or you know, et cetera, et cetera. So trying to get them from the start to realize that they need to play a really proactive role in solving the problem, okay? And then after I ask them all these questions, I would share with them a few things. Um, I would tell them about how my approach would be different. I would say, okay, so here's what we're gonna do differently from your standard training. One of the things we're gonna do is we're gonna inspire people to want to change. That's a huge difference. It's not gonna be just skill building. It's going to be inspirational and it's going to help people build trust with one another and find safety so that they can hold themselves accountable to making change. So that's one thing. I would tell them sometimes, I would use sort of a testimonial, right? So I would say, you know, this problem sounds a lot like my other client and this is what they were facing and here's how we solved it and here's how their lives improved. So it really demonstrates that you've got what it takes to help them for real. Okay. Again, I would really be real and I would say, look, we got a partner on this. If we really want to make a change, we've got a partner. This is what I'm going to do. This is what you might have to do differently. And then I would explain the process for getting the best results so that they know that I've really thought this through. 
And that typical process is something like, oh, well, first we're going to collect a little data and then we're going to design the training and I'm going to get, and I'm going to show you the design in advance and you're going to approve all this. Then we'll deliver the training and then we'll follow up, you know, so that they really see that I've got the whole end to end process in mind. I will explain the basic pricing to them. Like I'd say, okay, this is how we calculate it. We calculate it by a per, per day training cost and um, an hourly cost for the data collection, et cetera, et cetera. So they know that it's, it's fair and equitable. And I will tell them that they will get a specific written proposal, you know, within three to five days. So I, I know this is all stuff that you guys probably do. It's sort of that focus on helping them feel uh, cared for, understood uh, from the beginning, cared for and understood from the beginning, and also giving them a real sense that you are the expert, not just in the content, but in the process of getting change. Okay. <clears throat> so, yes, I'm sorry. Somebody want to say something? Okay, I'm sorry, I thought somebody chiming in. So if you would like the full intake question list that I use and the proposal template, I mean, by all means, I'd be happy to share it. So just send me an email uh, and uh, I'd be happy to share the, the full thing with you. Okay, so then the next thing we wanna know is like we understand our clients, that's really, really important. We've gotta deliver great value, we all know that. But here's some simple ways that I would really work to do this. I'd send a thank you email immediately, of course. Thanks for talking with me. I really appreciate it. I would send a value add, hopefully in that thank you email, but within a day. And that could be, hey, you know, I thought about this article that might be uh, interesting to you. Or, you know, I don't know if you've read this book yet, but check this one out. Or sometimes an invitation to an upcoming event, like if I'd be speaking on something or something like that. So send them a value add and then send that proposal as quickly as you can because you know you gotta strike while the iron is hot. So sometimes I would find that if I would wait a week or 10 days, then the opportunity is kind of not nearly as right. So you gotta deliver that great value and do it quickly. I'd also do other things like this. This is a, this is a new thing that's really working for me a lot recently is I would build in the cost of a follow-up meeting with the cost of the training. I wouldn't separate that out. I would just say, this is how we do it. We do a, we do our one day training and then we come back in three months, you know, like 90 days later and we do a follow up with your team and it's a 90 minute follow up and then I, I follow up with you one more time. So uh, helping them see that it's not a one time deal, but that you're gonna be the ongoing partner and really helping them get the change. Um, I send a summary of learnings to the client after the fact. That's always really great. And in fact, something I'm trying now is to send uh, sort of a pictures of the event and tell the story visually, which is really powerful and kind of fun. It also allows me to take pictures, which is important for my own promotion. And that's uh, great. And then sometimes I do things like this, send a note to all the managers of the participants about what the participants learned and how they can support the change. Um, of course, you have to have the buy-in of the client to do that, but that's a, 
it's an easy template to write that is a tremendous value add. And then send a follow-up email with further suggestions to all participants, uh, for example, or sometimes a video if you're up for that. That's, that's unique and new and different. Oops, sorry about that. So we know we want to do all these things. We need our trainers to help. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I even when I'm spending all that time in the classroom, I, I don't want to be the only one doing this. I want to make sure that my trainers are also doing these kinds of things. So we want to support them in understanding how to do it and giving them the templates that they need as well. So the last part is, of course, you know, you want to understand your clients, you want to deliver tremendous value, and you want to deliver transformation through your course design, meaning designing your course so that it inspires and sparks real change. Um, and teaching your trainers to do the same thing is very, very important. So transformation really comes from participants feeling safe and a sense of ownership. So I'm not to blame, but I can play a role in the solution. That's a really interesting dynamic that we try to set up in the classroom so that we know whatever the presenting problem is, hey, you know, you're safe here, you're not to blame, but you have, a, you have power, you can make a difference. So really inspiring them in that way. Really empowering them, meaning that the solution is attainable and the pathway is clear. So they feel that sense of like, hey, I really can do something, here it is. I know exactly what I need to do. And to really inspire them. We want them to, to think to themselves, hey, I want to take action, and I will. So we want the inspiration and the motivation to be high. Your trainers need to understand how to build this into their classes. This is fundamentally different than our standard skill-building class. And your evaluation forms, so what we measure grows, right? Your evaluation forms need to ask, are you, you know, are you inspired to make a change? What change are you inspired to make? You know, that kind of thing. So that we are literally measuring not just, um, you know, was your trainer good at what they did? Did they stay on time? Did you achieve the objectives? But we really want to measure, do you feel inspired? Do you feel ready to take action? Is there anything that could have helped, you know, that we should have done differently to help you be ready to take action, those kinds of things. <clears throat> so transformational design really involves focusing on the real problem for the people in the room, which is often different than the presenting problem that your client comes to you with. Uh, because the real problem is the internal problem. It's the sense of frustration people feel. It's, um, you know, it's the thing like when I teach a time management class, I don't just go in there and teach them about how to prioritize. We connect with the frustration of what happens when you don't feel in control of your schedule, for example. And that's the problem that we want to bring into the room and then solve. That's just an example, but it's often different from the original problem. And 
the instructor, of course, needs to demonstrate empathy and show up as the guide, like partner with the person as they solve the problem. So there's a lot to say about transformational design, but it really gets to this emotional level of what's happening for the people in the room. And when people are designing and delivering training like this, the impact is great. And it's such a different experience for folks that they just want to come back to you. You know, that there's this like pull strategy that starts to happen where people are calling you for more and more things because you're really solving their problem. Okay. <clears throat> we also want to enlist folks in a shared vision and we want to pave that pathway to success. So we're really thinking about what it takes to make change and we're building that into our design. Okay. Again, we're looking at having skills plus motivation plus immediate next steps for new habit formation. That's where we really want to focus our efforts in curriculum design. So, as I said, fundamentally different from simply delivering a great skill-based training. I, I, I hope you're seeing the difference here. I'm really curious if, um, if this is resonating for you. We're going to get to questions in just a minute. I'm almost finished here. So I, I, I hope you're holding some questions for me. <laughs> you might be saying to yourself, okay, this is great. I get it, but how do I do all of this? And how do I get my trainers on board? And those are great questions because there's a lot to to think about here this is again one of the reasons i love the collaboration of contract ed because there's hopefully time to talk about these things <laughs> here's my initial advice one make your trainers a team i don't know about you but my trainers were always kind of freelance adjunct faculty often you know kind of free thinkers uh very independent very autonomous and they didn't want to have too much structure, but they definitely wanted to be part of something, part of something big, just like we all do, right? So as the contract ed leader, providing inspiration to them and helping them feel like a team was really part of my strategy. I would teach them about the principles of transformation. I would um, help connect them to their role as change agents. Like they're doing so much more than just delivering a training. Um, I want them to measure inspiration and willingness to take action, you know? And I always found that my trainers rose to the challenge with that. That's what they wanted. They wanted to be part of that vision for sure. They're teachers after all, you know, that's what they want. <laughs> We would design things differently and share together. That's really an important piece um, that we would try to focus in on morphing our curriculum design so it was more inspirational and we'd bring the team together and really share what we were learning and what was working. Also, we would build case studies with their help. So they would help you know whenever they were in with a client we would kind of start the storyboard and it's like what's the presenting problem what's the real problem that we went in to address here's some pictures of the event how did it go what were the measures and metrics and we would write this up into 
these little one page or one and a half page case studies with the help of the client and with the help of the trainer. And they were tremendous promotional um, opportunities because it, it would really solidify my relationship with the client, but it would also like, um, you know, give me an opportunity to then promote the client's success, which was really cool. So, and of course, then, like I said, we would measure, we'd measure repeat business and we'd measure the depth within an organization. So I got my trainers on board with these measurements. I would say it's more that we're not just measuring um, how well you do in the classroom. We're measuring how well you do by whether or not the client comes back for more. And, um, and I would do this in, you know, in a very proactive, positive way and really enlist them and enroll them in the vision. Okay. So the other thing I did was I, I kind of, well, over the years, I built a course called Be an Amazing Trainer in order to train my trainers. <laughs> and then I turned it into an online course and I've delivered that several times. Um, and I have this sort of combo online and uh, workshop course. So I, uh, I would invite you to watch my free video series. Um, I'm going to leave that up just for a second here. That's my, that's the URL. This has three little videos that are the principles of transformational design that are a lot of what I just talked about. It's a free video series. I'd love to have you watch it anytime. Um, I'm just looking at the chat here. Did you see that one from Pedro, Claire, about the level of professional development? Oh, yeah. Okay. So let's see. In building these concepts into the design of services, what level of professional development training is being delivered to trainers, faculty, and culture creation? Yes, yes. Okay. So, yeah, that's – so really what we're trying to do is – I never had money to pay my trainers to come to – training that I would give them on this stuff. But I would bring them together in team settings. I would make them a really special lunch. I would enroll them in the vision and help them be part of the solution. <laughs> and, and now I have this opportunity for trainers. And now I get them into this online course. I give them this free, free course first. And if they want more, we have an online course that um, is always uh, much less expensive for contract debt. It's, it's just one of my commitments I've always done. And so um, I try to enlist them in this and show them that there is this great opportunity to be better at their craft. And I, and I don't mean like, I'm going to teach you how to be better. I mean, look, when you tap into the energy of change, it's really powerful and super inspiring. <laughs> so that's kind of how we would do it. I'd also invite you to attend the Be an Amazing Trainer online course yourself if you're a content developer and come to the live workshop event that we're still trying to figure out the details, um, but would like to hold a live workshop event in the Bay Area in July or September to bring a little team of instructors or send some instructors and receive some team coaching as well. We can get your trainers into this thing. I think you'll find that they deliver a huge amount of value to the client and that that's where some really amazing work can happen. So 
<clears throat> again, if you want all the details, just don't hesitate. If that was too much, you know, we'll, we'll get you the slide deck for sure, but you can always send me an email. I'm always happy to answer questions. And, um, and so that's, that's about what I've got for you today. And so today we kind of, we talked about that approach to training contracts and taking a different approach that maximizes profitability, where you really get into the needs of, you know, the need for your clients to change what they really want is change and you can gather data from them right up front that helps you shape really powerful proposals and enlist them in the change process from the beginning and again we talked about how to empower your trainers to really deliver what clients really want and that really has a lot to do with empowering them to see how transformation should be built into the design of the training and a few little tips on how to measure their success in ways that promote repeat business. So that is kind of where we are. I would love to open it up for questions. Let me check our time. How are we doing on time here? We've got about 15 minutes. Yeah, that's pretty good, huh? Very good. Great job, Claire. Okay, questions. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Who's got questions? Hi, um, hey, thank you so much. I so appreciated this webinar. I, I love the pragmatic examples, um, but I, I love the piece about transformation and helping our, our clients focus on transformation. It's like, what do we do differently than like you said at the beginning, lynda.com or, or, you know, any of the other right. trainers? And, right. and I'm wondering, how do we, how do we market? that market that that we do transformation what what is it in our marketing that lets people know that we are different i love that's such a great question deborah thank you for asking you know okay so the short answer is one of the most powerful things i've ever done in terms of marketing is creating these transformational case studies um where i literally write up the story with some question with some pictures and i i use that for promotion that's super powerful but if you don't if people aren't reading case studies or you don't have um, a way of getting those case studies out to people like you'd like i think the other thing is to write a very powerful description of what makes you different and make sure you write that description from the perspective of the reader, which I know it sounds so obvious, but I, I can't tell you how often I'm reading promotional materials and the promotional materials always start with, we do this and we do that. And, and you know, we're specialists in this and that. And if you just literally flip that over and you say, um, you struggle with, you know, let's, let me, let me just take some, like, so we're doing a lot in the world of engagement right now. So very quickly, I might say, I'd do this in different words, but I would say, I know you're struggling with employee engagement. That's a real pain point. That's costing your organization a lot. Um, and then I would say, um, we can help with that pain. Here's a, here's a success story that, uh, where we've really helped someone build um, significantly better employee engagement. Here's the difference that makes the difference. We'll focus in on inspiring your people and helping them transform and, and form new habits. Call me for a 
consultation. <laughs> does that make sense? Yes, it does. I, I love the idea of flipping it um, from the from the other person's perspective. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's a really powerful way of just hooking people in right from the start with, uh, and it's and I, it's not done nearly as often as I as I think it should be. This <laughs> is something I'm training myself to do, and and it's it's really worked well. So thank you for asking. That was a great question. Any, any other questions for Claire? Okay. Thank you, Claire. It was amazing, and I appreciate it so much. So, Thank you. And we love our webinar series. So just a quick update from the TAP. Um, last Thursday, I had the pleasure of going to the CCC AOE Spring Conference in Sacramento, and Jonathan Bissell from San Mateo and John Milburn from the College of the Canyons co-presented a one-hour workshop and they did it twice, so we had two full hours of people's attention at the CCCLE conference, and the presentation was on what is contract ed, how can contract ed help you as a CTE dean or faculty person, and how can we work together for the benefit of our colleges and our communities. And I have to say just publicly thank you to them. They did an outstanding job. We had 35 to 40 people in the room for each presentation, and it was very well received, so very excited about that. And then the second update is we have our Racing to Success Summit coming up on May 16th and 17th. If you haven't registered, I would encourage you to go online and get registered for that. We have um, about 40 to 45 people registered to date, and we're looking forward to a really engaging and interactive agenda. And I think that's it for our TAP update. So let me see our next slide. Hang on, I got another slide for you, right? Let's see. Oh, there uh, you go. <laughs> there it is. So you should have this tattooed or at least a good sticky note close <laughs> to your phone. <laughs> if you need anything from the TAP, please, uh, Faith or I love to hear from you. And it's our pleasure to try to find the resources you need to be successful in your business. So you've got our phone numbers and our emails there, and just feel free to reach out. Awesome. Thank you, Margaret, for having me again. And I've got my email here on the last slide, just in case anybody um, would like to send a, <clears throat> a follow-up or a request of any sort. I'm, I'm happy to send you additional information if it's uh, helpful for you so and Margaret I thank you for inviting me it's, it's always a pleasure I sure appreciated being here oh we loved having you thank you again and uh, just good luck to everybody this coming week and we will see you at the summit in May we won't have a webinar in May and we're sort of considering what we're going to do over the summertime because so many people travel we may um, not have a webinar in June and July and then get back on board in August. Yeah. Okay. So Great. thank you all very much. And uh, we'll have these slides up on our website soon with an audio for those people who were unable to attend today. Great. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Everybody have a good day. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank Bye. you, Margaret. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.